Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hi, everybody. This is Jennifer Mulholland. This is Jeff Shuck. We're so grateful you're tuning in today to Plenty for Everyone. We are actually standing together in (laughs) Heart Space in beautiful Park City. We had a couple of executive coaching retreats and happy to say that HeartSpace is back at it. It was so nice to have people here in person, refreshing and very exciting post-COVID. Yeah, that's nice to actually be standing where I'm usually looking at a screen. There's not as much room back here (laughs) as it looks like when I'm seeing you through my screen. But we are excited to be doing our work in person. It's a really nice change. Today's episode is episode 31 of Plenty for Everyone, and we have something really special we wanted to share today. We were asked by our good friends at Virtuous, and specifically Brian Funk and Noah Barnett over there, to keynote the virtual summit they hold every year. It's called the Responsive Nonprofit Summit. And last week, we were fortunate enough to speak with about 2,000 nonprofit professionals and social impact professionals at the conference and the topic which was really interesting to us they were kind enough to let us kind of roll our topic and we said we wanted to speak about the idea of resilience and how maybe that term is not what people think it is yes we talk about moving beyond resilience and defining it and what we've seen in our work and in our lives We'd love for you to tune in. We think there's some wonderful juice here and practical insights that we ramble around as we look at unpacking resilience and the difference between being tough and supple. So really appreciate Virtuous's opportunity to give us the time to speak with you all and tune in. We hope you find it meaningful and helpful to your work. And you know us, stick around afterwards. We'll maybe have a few parting comments after you hear the keynote. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thanks to Noah. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Allie. Thanks to the Virtuous team. Thanks to that incredible panel. It was so lovely and thought-provoking to sit in on that conversation. And we're going to echo some of the themes that we just heard in that last panel, and particularly the idea that Michelle just teed up at the end, that if we want to be a different organization, we have to do different things. And if we want to be different people, we have to do different things. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. My name is Jeff Shuck, and this is Jennifer Mulholland. I'm gesturing to my screen as if you can see her right there next to me. And we are the co-owners of a firm called Plenty. And the idea of resilience and building resilience and actually thinking about what's beyond resilience for all of us is something that we spend pretty much every waking hour of our lives doing and coaching and working with organizations like yours on. So to be completely honest and transparent, we have 10 hours of content we want to share with you in the next 25 minutes. And I'll be honest, we're kind of talkers. So 
We've actually put together a landing page for you. You can see the URL on the screen and we'll put it at the bottom of a few of the slides we're gonna use that just has more things we wanna share with you, more resources, some questions, an assessment we're gonna talk about to help you figure out what is right for you. But over the next 20 minutes, we're gonna explore a little bit of that and you're gonna see how we work, which is to play with ideas and to kick them around. And one of the things we wanted to start with that I have the privilege of introducing Jen to do is just tell you a little bit about how we view the world and our work because it's very much embedded in this idea of resilience and thinking about how we do things differently for ourselves so we get better results. Yes. So hi, everybody. We wanted to share with you our ethos because, as Jeff just said, it really is the lifeline through which all of our work and our way comes to expression. And it's this idea that we believe in a world of plenty for everyone. The idea that there is enough to go around. You have enough right now with your resources, with your gifts, with your skills with your purpose, and most importantly, you are enough. So a lot of our work with for-profits and nonprofits and organizational leaders like you blends the personal and professional to unlock the abundance that is all around us and most importantly within us. So what we do at Plenty is we coach conscious leaders like yourself, and we specifically help to design purpose-driven strategies to help conscious leaders unlock that abundance for their organization, for their mission, and to make this world a better place. And you'll see as we unpack this topic of resilience, which like Jeff said, we're just scratching the surface, that viewpoint comes into focus of how we see the world and how we practice these truths for ourselves. So it's this last piece the you are enough piece that we want to spend a little bit of time talking about in the context of resilience. And, you know, over the last two days, we've explored a lot of themes. As Noah said, we've talked about the worldview of abundance, which is embedded in the name plenty. You know, we firmly believe that there's enough around for all of us. But what we found in our work is even if we intellectually and emotionally believe that there's enough out there for our organization, it's harder for the leaders we coach to get their hearts around this last sentence, that I'm enough. And in fact, it became so perplexing to us that aside from all the metrics we track and all the results that we help create, we got really interested in this question, how do you feel? And it's not a question that most nonprofit professionals, most executive, most tech leaders are comfortable always talking about. But as Jen and I pursued our work in strategy and leadership, we got more interested in the link between the answer to this question and the results that we all get. And we got more alarmed. So the interest led to us creating, I'm gonna show you very briefly, a quick graph. This is the only graph, I promise. We created a well-being assessment. It's actually live on our site. And if you go to the URL at the bottom of the screen, you can find a link to take it. And this went live at the end of the year in 2019, which turned out to be a more prescient time than we imagined. And what we wanted to do is track the well-being attitudes of people in the nonprofit space because we were concerned 
that we sometimes make the choice of serving others over serving ourselves. Well, the timing was really amazing, as you can imagine, as we've all lived through. And what we've seen in the last six quarters and having about 2000 people now have taken this assessment every quarter, the scores have decreased every quarter. It's easier to see the well-being issues that we have in the space. And even more, I think, easy to see than in this graph is the results to the last question on the assessment. So if you'll take it, you'll see there's a bunch of it's like any assessment you take. There's a bunch of questions about your attitudes. But the very last question, Jen, we say, describe yourself in one word. And here's the kind of words that we get from people like you when they take the assessment. So we see anxious as one of the most dominant words being used. So the larger the word, the more frequently that same exact word was used in the response. Overthinker, lost, depressed, complex, tired. We also see caring, kind, positive, happy. When I look at this, it's the human experience. What's sad about it is this feeling of that we're not enough. We're feeling depleted as we navigate the year that we just had and the year that we're moving into. And it bubbles up this common phrase that we've heard over and over in leadership as how do we navigate uncertainty? And when we don't know what's coming or when we feel out of control, these are the words that we feel overwhelm anxious depressed lost it speaks to us as an incongruence of knowing self of feeding self of what we need in the moment and i can speak for myself throughout this process i see myself in here even though yeah. the words are they sadden me. There are days and times where I feel just the same. And even this morning, feeling very overwhelmed with all the demands that are on my plate as a mother, as a caregiver, as a partner, as a leader. And so if this is the human experience, what do we do about this, especially in the nonprofit sector when we are wired to serve? Like genetically, I kind of want to say we're in this space to provide service and help and hope to others in making this world a better place. And if we are so exhausted in the process being in that service, we're not serving ourselves to be able to give what we can. So maybe we'll just dance here, Jeff. Like, what do you see? What has bubbled up for you when we looked at this and we were alarmed at the frankness and the, the words that people use to describe where they are right now. Yeah, I mean, there's so many thoughts and this is where we get to the 10 hour presentation instead of the 20 minutes that we have left. I think it's sad and I think we feel an obligation to do something about it. And we feel kind of, I think there's a feeling within plenty of we were right and we're sorry that we were right because we had a feeling two years ago that there was a well-being issue in the sector. And that was before a global pandemic and a lockdown and an economic meltdown and a racial reckoning and a storming of the capital and all the things we've all lived through. You know, we thought there was a problem before that. When budgets get cut another 30%, we add another whole set of problems onto things. And I think I have another feeling, and this is the data guy, pardon me coming out, Jen, but 
I'm glad we're measuring it, but I almost have a, a split feeling about that because it frustrates me that some of the executives and organizations we work with will only pay attention to it if we measure it. And I think one of the purposes of us talking to you today, and frankly, one of the purposes of our work is to say to people, this stuff that you dismiss as the soft stuff is what binds everything together. <laughs> it's what makes everything move. You know, the word philanthropy literally means love of humanity. And we can't do our work if the love is gone, not to be cliche, but it's true. And so I think there's a real feeling I have, Jen, of we're tracking this information, so what do we do about it? And this is part of that. But I love what you brought out about you can see yourself in these words, because I can think of every interview we've had. I can think of interviews with clients today before this meeting where we've heard these words. And the question becomes, OK, so what's our response to that? Yeah, and I think what the convergence has happened, we've been saying this for a long time, and quite honestly, it was really provocative at the time and scary to share. And now it's like COVID has created the convergence of forces where it's like, no shit, this is true. And this is the thought. We have a professional life over here, and we have a personal life over here, and we dress for this role differently than we show up this way. And we do a lot to keep them separate. So it's not really okay to share our emotions and feelings and stress and what we're going through personally at work, at home, it, depending upon the relationships that you have at home, it brings stress if you're talking about work all day. So those two in the past have been really separate. But here's the thing, we all know this to be true, that we live one life. We don't live compartmentalized syndromes. We can't, we're whole human beings. And the more authentic we are in our expression of our truth and knowing who we are, we can bring that potential and bring that purpose to wherever we show up. When we do that, we take the stress off because we don't have to hold ourselves in a certain way any longer. We're real wherever we go. But the challenge here for the nonprofit sector is that is not safe to do in many of the environments and in many of the culture of boards and organizations that we work with, and we work with a ton of nonprofits. So the systems in place or the cultural conditionings that are in place say, nope, you gotta keep those separate. And I think as a result, we see this evidence, right? The yeah. holding, the pretending, the exhaustion that we have to be something that we're not. We have to do more with less. And I think that's what some of these results surface in and its relevancy in the sector right now. I want to build on that and kind of take everyone to the next thing that we wanted to discuss, which is if we could hold on to the fiction that we have separate personal and professional lives, everyone working at home for a year just blew that out of the water, right? Like we've all lived through a time where we're working in sweatpants, we're meeting with our boss and our kid walks in, the cat's walking across the table as we have Zoom. Like we've all lived through that world. So the question is, what's the world that we wanna go back to? And so to give you a little bit of kind of inside about our conversation with Virtuous about this session, when they approached us and said, so we'd love for you to speak on resilience. We actually paused a little bit and said, we're not sure about that. And here's why we said that. 
Our fear is resilience is the next of many words that have been totally co-opted, right? <laughs> As we've all joked about pivot is the most overused word of the decade, if not the century. We're so sick of being told to pivot. Now it's just become a way of saying, get over it, deal with it. I'm asking you to do something different. And that's not what it originally meant, right? It meant to have a foot in place and be able to turn with some agility. It didn't mean you do whatever I say. And our similar concern is resilience has a multiple number of meanings. But what it seemed to start to mean, as we hear it in the sector, is deal with it, toughen up, keep pushing the rock up the hill. And so when we talked to Virtuous about this, we said, yeah, we're interested in resilience, but at Plenty, we're getting more interested in what's beyond that. What are the other definitions of resilience that are more subtle that we're glossing over and how do we not make this last year a lesson in, I guess we can all grin and bear it. What if there's something more for us there? What if there's a lesson here that's not about pushing the rock up the hill, no matter what? And I wonder, Jen, this is gonna lead us into the next thing we wanna play with, but I wonder if you wanna talk about some of the other definitions of resilience that seem to be getting lost in the shuffle these days. Yeah, I mean, one of the definitions of resilience is being supple, malleable, overcoming with adaptation. Like that's actually in our genetic code is to overcome and to adapt and evolve. And as we do so, we spiral up in human evolution, whether it's consciousness or innovation or finding new breakthroughs and bringing new things to bear. But there's a suppleness to it. And I like to say it's graceful. It's not like grind your teeth and be strong and brush it off and push the boulder up the mountain, as you said, and as we have shown here. It's actually how do we follow and find the suppleness, the flow, the current, which is where we're heading. Like, how do we go with what the cues that life is showing us so that we can become more than we are now in a very natural way rather than resisting and making it so difficult. And I will tell you, I am personally guilty of this, of pushing through. I've been an athlete my whole life, played three sports and competitive college athlete, etc. And I was taught and trained to be resilient in every situation and to toughen it up, toughen it out. If I had an injury, I was playing on that injury. And what we're saying here is there's something else on offer. There's a deeper invitation that says, actually, our natural state is to adapt. We don't have to try so hard yeah. because it is us. It is the way we can naturally respond. So if we were able to follow and find the flow in our own lives, to find the flow, the path, in a way of least resistance in our organizations, what would happen to our growth? Yeah. What would we be able to accomplish in a really fulfilling way? And there's many other definitions someone on the chatter bringing up the words grit what's the difference between grit and resilience and agility this ability to be 
very aware of your environment and adapt in a natural flowing way does create your ability to respond to unknown circumstances that we just cannot control. And I think that's been the fallacy. The blinders came off in 2020 when we thought we had a normal way of being and that we could control the external circumstances of our lives. And I think we all, a lot of us had a reality check that actually I can't control what happens to me or what happens out there but I can control how I gracefully respond and follow the flow with suppleness. And that ultimately leads to a state of resilience at the end. For those of you chatting, I can't see the chat since I'm sharing, but I'd like to respond to that because that's gonna take us into where Jen is leading us. What's the difference between grit and resilience? And that, I think that's exactly the nuance that we're concerned is getting lost. Grit has a connotation of perseverance, of grinding it out, of pushing it out. When you look at why we use the word resilience, resilience is about the suppleness Jen talked about or pliability, bending back into shape, right? Not being pushed into whatever shape the world or your boss or the people around you tell you to be put in not being subservient, not grinding it out. Resilience has a definition of bending back into your authentic shape. And it's a big difference in our minds. And this gets to the idea that Jen has teed up a few times about finding flow, about understanding where we can make a difference and where we can't. And again, Boy, Jen, even just putting up this picture, this evokes another two-hour conversation, but we're going to try to give you a metaphor here that we use all the time in a few minutes, and it's the metaphor of the river that you see. And very simply, the world, life, events around us have a current, and it is not ours to decide where that current is. There's a huge set of events that determine things. How many of you had a strategic plan or a fundraising goal or a budget that you felt really good about in February 2020 and you were ripping to shreds a month later, right? It's one of many reminders we've been given over the last year that we don't get to direct the current. However, we're all on a raft and we each have a paddle. And that's our part. We can decide to row against the current if we want. And some people actually make progress that way. It takes a lot of work. Woo! You do a lot of activity. Sometimes it feels like you're getting somewhere. But it might not be the best place to use your energy. And I think, Jen, what we found is this metaphor, which I may not have done justice to in a minute, is really powerful as a way to open people up to what is our role in the face of huge events and what isn't. And we're never saying that we don't have a role. We always have a role. But sometimes our role is to stop pushing the boulder. Does the boulder really want to go up the hill? Or would we be better off stepping out of the way and let that thing roll all the way to the bottom? So now I've mixed boulders, paddling, rafting. But talk to me a little bit about this distinction of when do we feel the current and when is it ours? And maybe I'd love for you to share the story of your own experience this past summer. 
I'd love to, and I apologize if there's an annoying alarm that just started going off in our building. So see, we can't control that. It's no, a great we're example. Just of what go we're with it. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know me, I live in Park City, Utah. I am speaking to you from our retreat center called Heart Space at the base of beautiful mountains. There's really snowy here. We got two feet of snow yesterday. And one of our summer vacations last year was to float the Salmon River in Idaho. One of the best family vacations I've ever had. Highly, highly recommend it. Had never floated the river before or a river in this way. And it was five days on the water. And I was really intrigued about this metaphor for myself and for plenty and how it shows up as a teacher in life. And when Jeff was talking about the current, there's definitely a pathway that the water flows without a lot of effort. And I love to stand up paddleboard. And so on the river, I had the opportunity to stand up on one. And it's way different, way rockier, way more challenging than on a flat water lake. But I was really compelled to go paddle a section. And when I got on it, I really was aware that all of my senses had to be so cued up and present in the moment that all I was focusing on was balancing, just staying up because the consequence of falling from standing up, even with a helmet on, was scary and I was nervous about it. I had to go through this section and I really was aware that the less I worked, the more easily I floated. And I thought it was such an interesting metaphor of all I needed to do was make these tiny course corrections. They weren't major digs. They weren't major corrections. I would have fallen off. But what my job was in that moment was to notice where the flow was and then follow it. Literally allow the current to take me. And when I did that, I was stable and it wasn't a lot of effort. And I'm trying to practice that in my own life and in our own work with the clients that we coach and we support is where is the resistance? And are you paddling up river? Are you paddling against your natural flow? What can you do to find it, to be graceful, to allow the current to carry you? Mm -hmm. And in that metaphor, I realized that one of the most important things that was my job was to pay attention, to elevate my awareness, to notice the cues, because it's not very clear sometimes where the current is taking you. If you have ever been out in an ocean, you can't really see the riptide all the time, but it's there if you pay attention and if you notice the signs. And would just say that same thing that goes in our work, in our roles as leaders, in the nonprofit sector, in our missions, is how well are we slowed down to pay attention to the cues so we can find the flow that escorts us to our potential, our purpose, the impact that we're seeking to make in a much less resistant way it is so much easier said than done. But when I do that, it becomes more graceful and more fun. And I think it's a practice point that we can do more as organizations as we notice the signs yeah. of 
Where are we getting stuck? What people are not happy? Where is there a misfit in culture? Where do we have to invest so that we can grow in a way that's congruent to our values and our vision? All of those questions create an astuteness of awareness to find the flow that's on offer for us. Yeah, and I wanna say as we start to get to the big finish here, we're not just saying this metaphorically. One of our concerns here that I think we've been playing about is that the nonprofit space will rally around itself as it always does. It'll rally around mission. It'll rally around a call to be resilient. And what that will actually mean is everyone will have to work harder than ever. And that's not sustainable. It isn't. So very literally, when we coach organizations, one of the first things we hear is we're overworked, we're doing too much. And one of the first things we tell them to do is take a break. And no one wants to do it. We say, no, literally, like we're going to schedule a day. We're not going to do anything. And people are edgy and jumpy. And when they have even two hours or four hours with no meetings, what starts to unearth is, oh, that thing that I was really busting my hump to do, it's not as important as I thought. Oh, that donor that I needed to close, that was gonna happen on its own. Oh, I didn't need to write 10 more revisions of this forecast because we went back to the first one. And I think the point we're trying to make here is the choice is different than control, right? We've all lived through a year that has tried to teach us again and again, we can't control things. And the more we try to control things, the more we make things hard for ourselves, the more we stress ourselves out, right? That doesn't mean that we don't have choice. So we're not saying we roll over to challenges. We're not saying we ignore the problems around us at all. We're saying often, if we understand our relationship, what we can do and what we can't do in relationship to those problems, we'll actually get to solutions a lot faster than we would by pushing the boulder over and over. And I think our personal axe to grind here is that we care about you and your well-being in this space needs you. You are precious cargo. And if we burn ourselves out trying to make up for a year that we think that we lost, the sector is going to be in real trouble. And I think we feel like our way forward is to say, there are things that are just well beyond our control. And maybe Miss Chief Development Officer or Mr. Chief Marketing Officer, maybe we can't make up a 30% decrease last year, this year. Maybe we just have to start from where we are and meet people where they are and do our best to live our mission. And what would that look like? instead of all saying we're going to redouble our goals and redouble our efforts and launch twice as many campaigns how is that going to play out for us so and i love just one more comment before we go this picture when we were using it talking about it earlier speaks to me as such a beautiful imagery of that agility right like of going where the wind takes you But all of these, as you're looking on the screen, all of these stalks or blades of grass are rooted and grounded in the earth. They are not getting uprooted. They are true to thyself. And that, I think, is the opportunity for us coming out of COVID 
and creating a new, not going back to normal, but to go back to something better than ever that we can co-create based on what do we need to thrive and recognizing that what we need to thrive if we are aligned with the right organization will be magnified there. If it's not incongruence, then we advise and encourage people to find that elsewhere because there is ample opportunity for you to find your home and your place where you can be true to yourself and contribute to the mission of the organization. When those two things are aligned, we're on blueprint for ourselves and we're on blueprint for the mission. And the result is that we create abundance all around and we create philanthropy, the love of humanity in tremendous forms that I don't think any of us can imagine what's possible. But being true to that blueprint for ourselves individually and finding that blueprint for your organization, what you stand for, why you stand for it, what you're here to embody and do is the real juice behind the work we all get to do. So Noah, well said, Jen, and Noah is going to close us out and talk about what's next. And that's been a theme throughout every session is what's next. We wanted to share with you what we think is next and what we think is beyond resilience or beyond this idea of all of us just working harder. And I think Jen will take two minutes and dance through this quickly. What do you think? I've already got it up. So yeah, I think we do it. These are what worked for us and it's what is a backbone of our coaching practice is number one, practicing presence. And it is so much harder than it is to say, but really getting here, whether it's in a summit conference, on a Zoom call, on the phone, in the physical presence of another, is your greatest gift is the presence you offer. And the more you're here, the more you hear, literally you're able to absorb, sense, see, taste, whatever information you're meant to digest so you can respond in a really thoughtful way. When we're distracted, we get robbed of that power and we each have that power to practice presence. Yeah, and what's out is feeding false urgency. We have to stop eating drama for dinner. We really do. There's enough in the world around us that we don't need it in the space. So we don't have to be doing 10 things and taking meetings back to back. It seems like that's what happens in the sector, but it's not what we have to tolerate. Aligning to self, this is when I said blueprint, it's just really slowing down to know that you've changed because you've grown from all the circumstances you've lived through over the past year and beyond. So what do you need now? What's important to you? And what can you express on behalf of that truth that you can contribute to wherever you are? It's the same question that we pose to organizations, but really aligning to self and not having that to be selfish. Mm -hmm. Like that is needed now more than ever so we can fill up to give rather than giving and feeling depleted. Yeah, and I would say what's out is conforming to others around us. I would offer that we've lived through four years of seeing what happens when the bar around us is lowered in terms of how we treat one another and what we expect from community. And there's a difference between community and conformity. And we create community when we 
are selfless, which is different than being selfish to what Jen said. Yeah, and that just goes into when we are really serving others, we're listening to what they need and where they're coming from. And we're giving that same attention to ourselves. And so that feels like the, the panelists that were on right before us was so helpful. They were saying like, really get to know your donor on a personal individual level. And it's the same thing that goes with our teams. And most importantly, it's the same thing that goes for ourselves. Yeah, one thing I just say, I know we're running short here, but we're always shocked that our for-profit clients, we would say politely, do a much better job at this than our nonprofit clients of not serving others at the expense of self. And our for-profit clients were much better at giving people time off and helping them slow down. And we have to build that into the sector. It can't be about using our idealism to take advantage of the people who work for us. That can't be what the sector is built on. Couple more, just creating healthy boundaries. This is, you know, saying no more. And that's aligned to your blueprint, what you need to thrive. It's the same thing that goes for your organization as a leader, wherever you are in that organization. What you don't do matters as much as what you do do. And sometimes it's most important to know which is which. Amen. And I'm so tired of hearing the phrase doing more with less, which we've heard since the Great Recession. You can't do more from less. There's no more blood in the stone. Strategy is about focus and us. Leadership is about making choices about what we don't do. And we have to support our teams and say, you don't need to worry about priorities D through Z. Just work on A, B and C. And last but not least, like open your grip. Surrender it. We cannot control what's coming. We know this. We can control what choices we make and how we respond. But if we loosen the grip and surrender in the knowing that we are okay, we are gonna be okay, and we are wired for good, that we can take the pressure off our shoulders. We can release the burden that some of us may be carrying and trust that we're gonna be absolutely more than okay as we navigate the uncertain paths that are here and on their way. Right, and we don't have to take blame for things that are outside your control. It's not your fault your fundraising results went down because there was a massive pandemic. But I think what we're saying is that also doesn't take us off the hook for using our own choice and using our own voice. So let's be more concerned about our paddle and when we use it and less concerned about the current of the river, which we can't do anything about would say again, this is where you can find more on all of this. We obviously feel passionate about this subject. <laughs> Jen, I'll give you the last word, but would say again to everyone listening, thank you for being here. And your precious cargo, we hope you heard that message and we hope you'll give yourself some of the care that you so unselfishly give everyone around you. And for those of you watching on Jeff's Blackboard as one of our slogans at Plenty that hope needs help, and you're the hope helper and we need to take care of each other and we're so grateful to be on this path and we're so thankful for the good that you do in the world because it matters and it's important and we need each other to rise up and bring that hope wherever we are wherever we end up going so thank you check us out at plentyconsulting.com so that was really fun to do. I'm glad that we were asked to do that. And I just want to give another shout out to Virtuous. They did 
a virtual conference about as well as you can do a virtual conference, right? There's no substitute for being together, but it was really fun. What you couldn't see as you were listening to the podcast is the amount of chat traffic we were getting as we were presenting from people in the audience asking us questions. And it was fun to try to interact a little bit with them. It was also fun or not so fun for me because Jeff is usually the first person to cry. And I cried. <laughs> yeah. I got teary, especially at the end with this incredible sector of the nonprofit leaders who are really trying to make this world a better place and care so deeply about the human beings that are there and that we get to work with with so many of our clients and really seeing the experience of burnout, overwhelm, anxiety that is rampant in this space. And so it felt really, I felt really passionate about talking about preserving the human well-beingness of each individual and what is the opportunity when we find alignment to what we need as leaders and making sure that that's congruent with the alignment of what the organization stands for and how they treat one another and how you're treated. So it doesn't only apply to the nonprofit sector, but certainly that was the audience that Virtuous convened and hope that you found some nuggets of inspiration and encouragement to really find what fills you up so that you don't do your work in a depleted way. Yeah. And I think that's a nice way to end. I think we we left it all on the table and kind of said what we needed to say in the keynote. But I would just amplify that one point about our real belief is that right now pliability trumps toughness. And it's great to be tough and value tough. There's something beyond that that's about being able to bend with the wind and not break. And that's what's really on offer for us as we go into a year where we're all kind of rebirthing and reemerging and being here in person at HeartSpace is a, is a reminder of that for me. So, Yeah, and how lucky we are that we get to help coach conscious leaders who are really interested in finding their backbone, finding their blueprints, mm-hmm. so that when they need to be flexible and agile, they always bounce back or come back to self, to authentic truth, to what feels right and on for each one of them and when we do that we live a life of integrity and we lead a life that's authentic and and that's really what's worked for us in our journey of constant practice constant pliability of trying things out but really bouncing back to self because when we do that we're happier Mm. we're more fulfilled and we're more on like yeah like we like to say yeah well that's a nice way to maybe end with If you're leaning into that a little bit, if you're thinking, you know, it's a new year and after the year we've lived through, you're ready to explore something more. Let me just shift into sales mode and let you know Lantern, our leadership retreat is back on and in person right here, actually right in the room next to us. There's two sessions this year. One is in June and one is in October. It is awesome. We already have an awesome June class of registrants and a few spots left. And we'd love to have you. So check it out at plentyconsulting.com slash lantern. We know you'll leave saying what all of our graduates leave saying, which was that was one of the best weeks of my life. Yes. Come. We'd love to see you in person. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you and talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more. 
at www.plentyconsulting.com. 